Beyond the Stethoscope, the podcast for veterinarians, healthcare providers, and busy professionals who want actionable, implementable solutions surrounding work-life balance, accomplishing your goals, and living your dreams. I'm your host, Dr. Angela Demery. We are here live with Dr. Shelley Prevost. She is an educational psychologist and a leadership coach with a diverse professional background. And we just finished recording in front of a live audience, some of who may still be with us here today as we launch into our five questions segment. And we just talked about imposter syndrome, overwhelm, and burnout. So be sure to follow and subscribe to Beyond the Stethoscope podcast wherever you get your podcast to see the rest of this great conversation. So Shelly, for question number one, we know that the most successful and happy people have a morning routine. What do you do each morning or evening that sets your day up for success? Yeah, so I am new to this idea of rituals and routines, I've heard this, of course, my entire adult life, Um, but it wasn't until this past year where I really got serious about it. Um, I started the full focus planner uh, system, which has really helped me kind of identify those things that I need to be doing um, in the morning and in the evening. So in the morning I do, um, on a good morning, I do 10 minutes of the Calm app Um, And so I go out to my back porch. I'm usually by myself. I get a cup of coffee. Um, I live on a mountain in Tennessee. And so it's uh, usually in the mornings when I get up, it's cool, but it's still sunny. You know, the sun's coming up. So it's, it's my time. Um, And I'm, I'm really, I'm trying to do more visualizations and really thinking about how I want my day to flow. And then I always review my big three. So I'm, I try to stay real focused on Um, no more than three kind of like big things that I need to get done that day. And so when I start my day with those things, um, I'm pleasantly surprised how much better things tend to go. Yes. I love that with visualization. And, you know, I think some of the best boxers in the world always visualize before every fight. And, you know, if they lost, they said, what happened? They said, oh, the other guy saw it better than I did, you know? And so yeah, I love that. So I did just, a, yeah. I did a workshop yesterday and, um, I did the visualization and I, and I always like, I know this about myself. If I prepare and I plan and I visualize it, they will go better. And I, but I never do it because I never have time. I'm usually running into the workshop, you know, with all my stuff. And I did it yesterday and it went so much better. Like I really spent time thinking about how I want everything to flow and work. And then sure enough, it was like muscle memory. You get in there. um, It didn't, wasn't perfect, but it, it went well. And so I was very happy about that. Yeah. That's super exciting. There was a reason why my eighth grade basketball coach had us visualize shooting free throws for, you know, over and over and over again before we hit the court. So it works. (laughs) It does (laughs) absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing your insight there. Really appreciate it. It, It'll inspire me to not push past or through or miss that part of my day either. Yeah, yeah. Those visualizations. I got that. What's the the morning book? Um, I can't remember the book. Oh, Uh, Miracle um, Morning. And he talks a lot about visualizations. And I was like, oh, that's kind of hokey. I don't know. I don't do that. But it. when I do it and I take it seriously and I make time for it, 
it does help. I did go smoother. Yeah. And when I read things and I think that I, I start, I go to PubMed on Google and I start Googling all the research and then I try to figure out like, you know, well, who's doing this? And then you watch the Olympics and they're all doing it. Right. right. And so you're like, okay, if they're doing this at the Olympic level, maybe there's a little something to it. Right. Yeah. Um, totally agree. Yeah, so, Super cool. And so for questions numbers two and three, I love to separate these out because so often we conflate this idea of success with happiness that when I achieve X success, I will magically be happy. And we know from the research that, that quite simply just isn't true. So for question number two, what's your definition of success? Yeah, I love this question. And I really, um, I've struggled with it. Um, so I, I did a podcast a few weeks ago um, one of my uh, mentors that didn't know he was a mentor <laughs> has kind of uh, shepherded me for, gosh, over 10 years. I've just been such a fan of his work. His name is Jerry Colina. Um, and he, he turned the tables on me and he started asking me this question about, um, you know, wh where I'm experiencing tension in my life and kind of what was my goal? What were some of my goals? And I, and I got really emotional about it. And I realized that that's changed over the years for one. And it's no longer like stuff. It's no longer like I wanna have this much money in the bank. And I really do think there's some second mountain experience that happens when you're, I just turned 47. So there's something that shifts I think during this time of this stage of life. Um, and so what I found from that conversation with Jerry was that my definition of success is um, when I'm in an environment or when I'm um, able to let whatever's coming out of me be in alignment with what's inside me. And so when I get to live who I am in a place and, and of course get paid for that, you know, all the things that we need then to me that's success, um, but that's definitely not always been the case. I think the the world's idea, my ego's idea of success, has been driving the ship for a very long time. And so, going through a lot of my own kind of work recently, my own inner work has really helped me get clearer on what's my definition of success versus the world's and so and it is different and it's been exciting to to figure that out yes and i don't know if you have this experience too but it keeps changing right and and you did say that a little bit like it keeps changing and it keeps evolving and then like sometimes i get bored i'm like well i did it i'm here and i'm doing i'm churning along and i'm like gosh i'm kind of bored what can i do now to like change it up a little bit right yeah. and, yeah, yeah. And for me, it's, it's, um, I'm finding more and more um, fulfillment, which I think is probably a definition of success for me as well. Um, I'm finding more fulfillment when I'm when I let go of stuff. So it's not more accumulation, it's more letting go. And I think whether that's my own, um, you know, stuff that sabotages me or holds me back, or it's like, uh, literally stuff that you know, letting go of all that, I think is, is meshing up a lot closer to what I want going forward in my life. Um, so it's, yeah, it's like, and I totally agree that the boredom sets in. Um, I've been meeting that a little bit with um, kind of an inverse of like, okay, what do I need to let go of here? 
that, mm. you know, that, that frees me up then for something else that could be potentially more exciting or more challenging or more thrilling or um, so that's I'm at this stage where I'm letting go of a lot and that's exactly what I, I need to be doing. Yes. And, and I think there's also, we've talked so much about distinctions today and all of these little areas, mm-hmm. but you know, it's like, okay, there's the distinction of be, the boredom of I've gotten really good at this and what can I learn and how can I grow versus stacking our plates so full mm. and, and not allowing ourselves the space to have fun right. or downtime because that void is space that should not be filled sometimes. And, and I, I would say, is that part of our definition of success? I think it is. It wasn't always, but having pleasure, leisure, play, like that's important to me now. Um, I, I'm not fully me without that. So even though as much as I tried to lie to myself for a very <laughs> long time, I don't need that. Um, I don't need to play. Well, I do. I do. And I have to let go of other things so that I can rest and play and have fun. Yes. So important all the way around. And so for now, for question number three, what's your definition of happiness? Well, so, you know, as a director of happiness at a venture capital (laughs) firm, and so I would have answered this question very differently 10 years ago. Um, But it's funny. So I even have a quote. um, I've had my graphic designer create and it's it says choose happiness but she's marked out happiness and she put wholeness and so that is way more of my goal um i think happiness is um uh, fleeting i think it's really hard to attain so what i'm much more focused on in my life right now is meaning and wholeness and so by wholeness i mean like real deep self-compassion um, for, you know, parts of my personality and who I am that I've cut off because they were inefficient or um, didn't, I didn't want to deal with them. I'm, I'm integrating them. I'm trying to pull those back into my awareness with lots of self-compassion. And I don't know that I'd call it happiness. Um, it's probably closer to joy than I've ever been. Um, and And so that's, I would rather have joy than be happy. And so this work of of trying to be kind to myself, all of myself um, is is creating, I think, something close to happiness. Yeah, and I think you, so I have published over a hundred podcasts. I've talked to, I'm sure more than 50 or 60 or 70 guests. And the theme this year, and, and overall, because I've asked these same five questions to every guest on this podcast, has really been distinct, the distinction of happiness versus joy. And, and hands down, across the board, people are saying happiness is fleeting, but joy is that deep inner peace or calm or, or whatever um, it is for them. Mm-hmm. And so I may actually change this question to what's your definition of joy, but I like leaving it happiness because say happiness is something we're all chasing, right? And it's like that fleeting moment of why we're, we're going to buy that pair of pants or those new shoes or experience that vacation. But some of those things can also give us joy and meaning. And so it really comes down to, you know, what's that deeper meaning? Like, are you living a meaningful life versus mm-hmm. are you living a fleeting life? Right. 
Yeah. And again, the research, if, you know, you and I can geek out on research, I think for a while, <laughs> but the yeah. research is clear about that. If you look in positive psychology, um, it is, is way more robust in, in terms of um, defining happiness, because like the central definition of happiness really is founded on meaning. Meaning and purpose mm-hmm. is core to when you look at people who are, quote, happy, that's really what they talk about. They're not talking about um, the fleeting stuff that I think the most people tend to think about. So we really are talking about meaning, but um, but it looks different for everybody. Yeah. And so, yeah. So stay tuned. I'm not sure if I'm going to keep this question the same or change it up a little bit, but I'd love having oh. this conversation. And yeah, I, I think it's so incredibly important. Yeah. And for question, yeah, oh, sorry. Um, for question number four, you know, I just don't think we really share as much anymore, like of what we've learned versus what we did maybe 100, 200 years ago. We've got all this access to information, but are we really connecting? So I love to ask this question because I think we can always learn so much from each other. What do you know now that you wish you would have known 10 years ago? So this one actually was really easy for me to think about. So <laughs> it's the Enneagram. I think this is a tool that has the power to transform unlike anything I've seen. And I've seen a lot. And I actually was introduced to the Enneagram back in the late 90s and it didn't put its hooks into me at that point. But you know, when the student's ready, the teacher comes. And so I've been ready and I've, I've learned, I'm a type two on the Enneagram. And so learning that and then working with it and learning the language that the Enneagram uses to help self-develop has been so powerful for me. And, 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 and so the passion of a type two is pride. And so for probably my entire adult life, I've had this like, what is that? Why do I think I'm so much better than I am? Like, what is that? And so the learn, oh, that's pride. There's a name for it. And that's what my ego does. And like, oh my gosh, it's, it sabotages me. So to learn about it and then to start separating and disidentifying from it, uh, it's for so freeing and like anything I've ever done. And so I wish that I like 10 years ago as a parent, as a, a colleague to have had this understanding that how so many people see the world so differently for me. Um, I think it would have saved so much heartache, like my own heartache and the heartache I caused people to. Um, but, you know, now I know it and now I'm using it. So. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. And for question number five, what do you think is the biggest issue facing busy professionals today? Yeah. So I think um, I thought about this as like making time. So I think convincing themselves that there's ROI in self-development work. Um, if they convince themselves that there's a return on that, then they'll make time for it. And I think um, we're so busy and we're so efficient and we're so driven it's like we convince ourselves that if we just kind of stay bopping along and the, the surface, we'll get it all done. Um, and I think you can do that for so long. And those of us that have lived long enough know that it's, it's a matter of time <laughs> before something confronts us and we have to do, do things differently or, or analyze things differently or understand things differently. And I think um, I would I would love to see more leaders do the proactive work versus the reactive work. Um, but in order to do that, I do think they need to see that there's some type of ROI here. And so 
um, you know, and I don't know what that would take for people. Maybe it takes failure or falling or being like bumped up against, but I wish more people um, could see the value of the self-development work, not only for themselves, but for everybody that's around them. Yeah, I, it, it's so incredibly powerful. And it's always, um, as a scientist, let me say it this way, um, as a scientist, as a veterinarian, you know, oh, that life coach, you know, coachy, like the woo-woo stuff, like, that, like, oh, those feelings, like who needs that? Like who needs all that, you know? And so years and years go by with this sort of mentality. And then to start to like, so I was really, because of that scientific mentality and curiosity and not being a psychologist and not understanding the psychology around things. I was like really drawn to this idea of high performance. Well, what are the Olympians doing? Like, what are the highest performing people in the world doing? And, and then like that kind of dovetails into all the self-development work and professional mm -hmm. development. And you're like, huh, there's actual science behind this. It's right. not just okay. stupid stuff. Right. You know? It's not all woo woo. No. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's some of it, I mean, little silly, habits I have make the most profound impact in my day. I'm like, if I take 30 seconds in the morning to do this silly little habit. Boy, I, I feel so much better. Like everyone right. around me is so much better. And, and, and as a bonus, there's actual science behind it too. So it's not just some little silly habit. Like it's scientifically proven, like the three good things. I'm sure you know that research mm -hmm. around happiness, right? Yeah, Gratitude. That's what I did my dissertation on. I forgot it's about that gratitude yeah. and resilience and how, and the connection between them. And a lot of what, um, like, yeah, we found like, you know, you can, if you just do the three good things exercise for six months, then after six months, it had the same effect on someone's well being as antidepressants. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty powerful. So, you know, taking five minutes before you go to bed every night to say, you know, what were the three good things that happened today and how was I a part of having that positive impact? Is that the story, right? Um, I just want to make sure I got that right. I see you nodding along, yeah, Shelly. No, so, you got it. And, it, you know, as a more profound impact or as profound of an impact as antidepressants. And like, we're not saying, you know, don't get help, don't do things, sure, but, yeah. you know, whatever you need to get started. But man, that's simple. Yeah. It's something that's easy to implement. Um, doesn't require a prescription or a doctor or, or even a lot of time and a lot of effort. Um, that's one of the things that I've integrated into the, the my evening ritual is looking back and like, what are the, what are the things that happened today and why? And that's the key is like really understanding kind of our agency, um, and, and then giving ourselves the permission to receive, to mm -hmm. receive, the good thing is, is hard for a lot of us to do because we're on to the next thing. Yeah. We never take time to celebrate the wins, right? Yeah, that's so right. awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been a wonderful conversation, Shelly. I, I, I really enjoyed thank it. You. Wonderful. And you have a wonderful day. Okay. You too. That's all the time we have for this week's episode of Beyond the Stethoscope. I hope you are inspired to take actionable steps towards accomplishing your goals and living your dreams. Chances are, if you are listening to this podcast, you are a busy professional who is looking to reclaim your time, energy, and focus to be your best, most productive, and highest performing self. As a high performance coach, I help busy professionals like you gain clarity, energy, 
and courage to take actionable steps towards accomplishing their goals and living their dreams. If this sounds like you and you want to work with me, I only have three openings still available for high performance coaching, and I have decided to offer them exclusively to listeners of this podcast. Simply go to pauseconsulting.com forward slash podcast to apply. And let's see if I'm the right person to help you not only accomplish your goals, but also live the life of your dreams. Let's make your best year yet.